Welcome to 20 and 30, the podcast series that sets out to prioritise the actions we need to take to save the earth from the threat of petrochemical-based plastic. Plastic production emissions are overheating the planet, and chemical residues are poisoning its inhabitants. In spite of current efforts, the damage is still mounting. We need to do something fast. To help us today, we have somebody who's leading the effort to develop alternative materials. Specifically, he's going to help us build supply chains that promote circularity, putting sustainable products in consumers' hands and keeping petrochemical waste out of the biosphere. He's here to provide answers to 20 literally burning questions that will hopefully help us, the planet, make a plan. But we haven't got long. Something significant needs to happen by 2030, and this podcast has only got 30 minutes. So let's get on with it. Okay, firstly, question number one. Who are you? Hi, I'm uh, Sasha Dabakov. What's the name of your organization? I work as Sasha Dabakov. I'm an uh, independent uh, trainer mentor. The company that we erected named Square Root of Pi. What does your organization do? Well, I uh, very recently started as an independent freelance trainer and mentor on the cross-section of supply chain circularity and sustainability. So I want to help companies discover opportunities and challenges in the supply chain uh, that can be converted into more sustainable or circular uh, practices. And conversely, you have these guys, you know, like uh, startups with a brilliant um, alternative material or uh, innovative, uh, sustainable uh, product. As soon as those guys need to scale up, they might need some help to make sure that they have a supply chain designed to their needs and to their efforts and to their growth. And so, how serious do you think the plastic threat is? It's 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 devastating. It's it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's in our food, it's in our water, it's in the air, it's it's everywhere, and and it keeps on going on and on and on. It becomes more and more. So I think it's it's going to be so bad that this era will be called the plastic age after the industrial age and after the the. the Bronze Age and so on. This will be the plastic age for for millennia to come. So that's 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 terrible. And how specifically is your organisation working to remove that threat? I'm more into the mentorship, the training, making companies aware that there are other alternatives than the ones that they always rely upon. For instance, you're, um, you, you look at a company that is just used to wrap everything in, in plastic to ship it to their customers or their B2B customers or whoever. They may have a look at, can't we do this differently? Can't we take this plastic out by adding another material or maybe even redesigning, let's say, the package or the product or whatever have you in such a way that you don't need that kind of um, packaging anymore or you don't need that kind of application anymore. And some it will highly depend, of course, on what business they are in, what service model they have, what kind of consumers they have and so forth. But that's what I think where we need to look at. Um, uh, so the, 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 the already running companies... Make sure that they understand what are circular business models, what are the opportunities, why is it way more than recycling. And as I said before, on the other hand, uh, all those brilliant guys with perfect alternative materials, they need to scale up at a certain moment or they will simply be gobbled up. Um, and when scaling up, uh, yeah, supply chain is a, is a vital asset in running your operations, but it will not be top of mind for them. So helping them in growing to a mature phase to be able to basically to fight against all the bigger juggernauts, the linear plastic model, 
um, yeah, that's that's how I can contribute what I want to do. I mean, that's very in line with what Circular is all about. Circular is all about creating a supply chain for the post-plastic economy and helping people scale up and get to market quickly. So, as you say, A, they can fight off the threat of the uh, existing plastic com- companies and B, make a, an impact as quickly as possible. And that said, what do you think is the single biggest barrier to creating the post-plastic economy? Basically, is the current linear economics and the hunger for cheap convenience, period. Is that forever growth and forever generating money at the cost of whatever? That's that's at the basis. And I, I, I can't say much more about that. <laughs> no. Do you think there's somebody who is making a big contribution to reading the world of plastic? Well, you have, you have the guys like uh, Ocean Cleanup and, and and River Cleanup, and that's 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 that those are wonderful initiatives. I mean, and we will need them for probably a few decades before we have cleaned up everything uh, that that is currently already in, uh, in 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 the environment. But we're we're fighting a symptom there. Yeah? Obviously, we should go all the way up to the source of the product design or to the source of the material and start taking it out. There, because otherwise the, the, it, it is unstoppable. We need to close the tap at the source. In my opinion, everyone who is eradicating the use of plastics, and certainly single-use plastic, at the start of a supply chain, at the start of a product life cycle, those are, I think, the big heroes. As you say, they're great poster boys and girls for the, uh, the, the plastic problem, but they are just highlighting the symptoms uh, what we need is the systemic change, that, uh, yeah. which is the business that you're in, of course, with, in supply chain. So, uh, so we've got some people there who are actually highlighting the problem. Who do you think is uh, actively not pulling their weight? Politicians. Under pressure of people that are way too wealthy uh, to be good for this uh, planet. We have a minister of environment here in, in Flanders, and she has approved the building of a huge polymer factory in the port of Antwerp. While in the Skeld River, we already find loads and loads of plastic pellets uh, originating from similar industries. And on top of that, the raw material that is to be used in this specific factory is shale gas shipped from the U.S. And there's billions and billions of uh, uh, euros involved in that. And what are they going to produce? Single-use plastic stuff. I mean, so so given (laughs) the the prevailing uh, behavior of opinion formers and politicians, etc. Um, how long do you think it's going to take to actually create a post-plastic economy? Too long. That's, Too that's long. for sure. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a number of applications where plastic is probably still for a long time the material to go. Entirely different applications where the, the ability to shape plastics and, 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 and to give it different characteristics is not easily replaced by other materials. Um, however, I think that, that, that one of the first ones that we need to tackle is this single-use plastic stuff, because this is also the stuff that immediately gets thrown away. Of course, there's also plastic toys and things like that that also are a little bit yeah, too easily discarded and, and, and not properly recycled. Uh, but I think aiming at those single-use plastics is is a big challenge in itself uh, for the simple reason that they are so convenient, but also they have such high characteristics that are not easily replaced with other materials for freshness, for uh, gas penetration, and that that's not easy. You can understand why the planet's hooked on it. It is just 
such a good solution. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, how important do you think recycling is to the plastic economy? I think recycling is a way out for the current feedstock uh, that we have, uh, but it should not be part of your product slash service life cycle design. You should not design for recycling. Well, it's better to design for eventual recycling if there's nothing else that you can do now by, uh, for instance, making sure that it's that you only use one material and not a set of materials put together in a foil like for a bag of crisps or things like that. So that would already be a step because then you enable recycling. But recycling, as we all in, in circular economy best practices, is a last resort before really discarding it or incinerating it. So recycling is not the... The, the cycle of plastics that we should envision. So, I mean, so it leads me on to the next question. Do you think that circularity is the silver bullet? Circularity is a term, a flag with many, many, many meanings. There are a number of scenarios where uh, going to a circular economy uh, is almost dystopian. We will be recycling while other people are making uh, money, but it's properly applied, as in the butterfly diagram of Alan MacArthur where we look at a bio uh, cycle, but also a, a technical cycle. If you combine that with the principles of the donut economy of Kate Weyhoff, then I think that's a way out. But it, it's really about having a completely different mindset in the, uh, in the economics. It's about changing uh, how economics are built. If, if, if labor is the driving force for a linear uh, economy, then we're never going to get there. And circularity is part of that, but it depends on how big the, you take the philosophy of circularity. If you purely look at the technical part of uh, making materials last as long as possible and taking out all those materials that can only be used once or that cannot be discarded properly after their life cycle, well, then circularity is one of the key methods, I believe, to start getting rid of the plastic. So it's just one of the tools that we should have in our box. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you personally recycle? <laughs> well, uh, I have to say, um, in Flanders, we are very strong in collecting the different materials and processing them. I cannot look into the factories that are doing that, but I know that they are doing comparatively, uh, compared to the rest of the world, they are doing really fine. Here, it really is already almost every responsible person in Belgium here is uh, recycling and is splitting the waste into the different material streams. But uh, on the other hand, I have too much at home that needs to be recycled. I should grow into habits of not needing to recycle anymore. Uh, on the other hand, it's really hard to to do your groceries on a daily basis and not end up with a lot of stuff that needs to be recycled. Yeah. It's a little bit of a lighthearted question, but... I think you make a very good point there. In Flanders, it sounds like you've really got a system or the, 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 the community has really got behind the effort and is making it work. Do you have a, a favourite post-plastic material you think, oh, that's a great thing? Well, I'm not a material expert. I can get pretty enthused by uh, mycelium. It's, it's, yes. it's so versatile. It's, it's really... Shows a lot of promise. It's very easy to get, and 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 I think mycelium will probably be one of the biggest contenders for eradicating petrol-based plastic with materials that are biodegradable, just as safe, very good for food packaging, and mm. also fit for single use. 
probably there are way more exciting uh, examples that uh, uh, material experts can provide me and ask me the same question one year from now when I'll probably be another winner. Do you have a, a favorite use of a post-plastic material? Get rid of the single-use stuff. I mean, let's let's make that happen. If, if we could tackle that one, I, I think also the visibility that you create with it, the awareness that you create with it, and so forth, that will be... That will be, for me, one of the best uses of post-plastic materials. Do you think that petrochemical polymers will ever be completely replaced? I really can't say. For the simple reason that I'm not enough of a material expert. However, I, I sincerely hope so. I think we also need to be realistic. I mean, if you're using land to grow crops to, to then convert that into a bio-based but not degradable plastic, maybe the end of the equation is not what we want to look at. Uh, yeah. But that, those are the typical life cycle assessment uh, calculations and things like that that I leave to the specialists. So is there one product made out of plastic that you absolutely couldn't do without? Well, maybe in some uh, surgical applications. You're right. It probably is something in the form of some sort of surgical grade heart valve or a cannula or something that eliminates risk of infection. So is there just one thing that you think people should do to help reduce the plastic threat? People asking themselves like, okay, I buy this in plastic. Do I need to buy this in plastic? Or is it just because it's so easy? For me? But one more thing is also that People making products and marketing products and, 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 and working in companies to, to, to extend the portfolio and, 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 and find new customers and so on, they also should start having the reflex of saying, but do we really need to put this in plastic? Yeah. So uh, what do you think is more important in fighting the plastic threat? Is it legislation, market forces, public opinion? Well, it, it should be all of them, but public opinion is a hard one if they are the the targets of the entire convenience industry. Yeah. So relying on them is a bit hard. Mm. Market forces, well, the market forces are created by the businesses. Yeah. Yeah. They, they create their market. Uh, so if the businesses will take up their responsibility, they can have a big impact. Mm. But I think the biggest impact in the end is like, a lot of politics that needs to do. It's like the EU directives and also here in Flanders, they become more and more thinking. Um, so that, that's that's what we need to look at. Excellent. Right, time's running out. So yeah. second to last question. If you could wave a magic wand, what's the first object made of plastic that you instantly make disappear? <laughs> I had to talk uh, to think about that. But you know which one? Those blister packagings that are put around a already perfectly cardboard packed product just to be able to display it in the racks of a, of a supermarket. You buy a scissor, but you need the scissor to be open uh, to be able to open the pack in which it is packed. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then finally, do you have any questions about the plastic threat or what you we what could be done? Well, I'm, 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 uh, I was very stoked by the idea of creating a platform where the different streams can be mapped and yeah, creating a community with that where people can share how they can start replacing stuff and, 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 and 
basically let it dry up from the source. And that's, that's um, so my question is for, to everyone listening to this podcast, if you have ideas, if you think you could do something about it, if you want to learn more, if you want to uh, contribute, just reach out to yeah, LinkedIn or whatever. There's a whole community of people yeah. that are trying to think about this. And we just need to keep on sharing information day by day by day. Yeah. That's what I think we need to do. In the words of John Lennon, come together and uh, yeah, change the world. Sasha DeBacca, thank yeah. you ever so much. And uh, I really appreciate you giving us 30 minutes of your time to answer these 20 burning questions. You're more thank than welcome. You very much indeed. And so, what have we learned today from Sasha? Well, we've learned that new materials and recycling techniques themselves will not avert the plastic threat. Systemic change is also needed. New supply chains that enable alternative materials to be made in scale. And we know that legislation will play an important role in introducing these new supply chains. Lastly, disappointingly, we've learned that organizations don't understand how important supply chains are to effecting the change that's needed. Thanks for listening to 20 and 30. Look out for the next episode when we'll be enlisting the help of a material scientist who'll be telling us about his rather hairy research team. 20 and 30 is brought to you by Circulor, integrating people, resources and systems for a post-plastic world.